Today is Good Friday, when we remember Jesus' death on the cross. Crucifixion was an excruciating form of execution. It was so cruel and barbaric that, in fact, even the Romans eventually banned it later. So why then do we call today Good Friday? Well, through his death on the cross, Jesus defeated evil. I think today we tend to uh, compartmentalize evil neatly into three categories. We think of personal evil, our sinful actions and motives. We think of spiritual evil, demons or evil spirits. And we think of maybe political powers of evil, such as dictatorial or evil regimes that grab power and tend to lead to violence, a bit like we've seen in Myanmar recently. And I think the danger is that because of this neat categorization, we can reduce the impact of the cross and think that it only overcame the problem of our own personal sin or evil. But the good news of Good Friday is that through his sacrificial death on the cross, a death that looks like defeat, Jesus was actually victorious over all aspects of evil, victorious over sin, the world and the devil, and even over death itself. This is why the early church understood the victory of Jesus Christ on the cross as that of Christus Victor. It means Christ the victor. So I want to try and stretch and increase our understanding of the impact and victory of the crucifixion upon, yes, our lives, but also upon the whole of creation. So firstly, let's consider how the cross was a victory over sin and our personal evil. This is the notion of substitution, how Jesus died in our place to set us free from the grip of sin and enable us to, to be forgiven and inherit eternal life. All of us, I know it's certainly true for me, all of us can be trapped by sin. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Even the Apostle Paul said he did things which he didn't want to do and didn't do things which he knew he should do. These are sins of commission and sins of omission we can all too easily become slaves to our sinful desires. But in John chapter 19, verse 30, as Jesus is dying on the cross, his last words were, it is finished. In the Greek, it's one word, tetelestai. This was the word that would be stamped when somebody had paid the bill, they'd paid their debt. Or it was the word that was stamped on uh, the receipt when somebody paid the price to set a slave free at the slave market. Jesus has paid the price for you and for me. Tetelestai, our sins, our debt has been wiped clean from the heavenly record books because Jesus has set us free through the price of his life. And he's dealt with the shame too, the shame of sin. After the fall, Adam and Eve hid behind a tree, naked and covered in shame. But Jesus hung on a tree, naked and conquered shame. The cross is the great reversal. And the cross means not just freedom from sin and shame for you and me, but also freedom for us to be in relationship with God the Father, our maker, 
to be one of his children and therefore a co-heir with Jesus the King. On Good Friday, we see Jesus's unusual coronation as king with a crown of thorns before he was glorified, not, a, not on a throne, but on the cross. In Mark chapter 15, verses 17 and 18, Mark writes how the Roman guards mocked Jesus as king of the Jews, putting a purple robe on, on him and they twisted a, a crown of thorns on his head. But because Jesus wore this crown of thorns, we get to wear a crown of glory. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25, St. Paul contrasts the crown that an athlete competes for. And when they win, the crown the athlete wins, which back in the day was a laurel wreath, a crown that is perishable. It doesn't last. He contrasts that with the crown that a follower of Jesus wears, a crown which is imperishable. For all of eternity, you are now a child of God, a co-heir with Christ, because Jesus has paid for your sin with his death on the cross. This is amazing news. But as amazing as this is for us, the victory of the cross does not stop there. The Bible talks of the waters of chaos at creation. It also speaks of the, the waters of Babylon by which God's people sat down and wept when they were in exile. And in the book of Daniel, we get the waters of chaos out of which emerge the four monsters. To the Jewish people, the Messiah, the Savior, he was expected to come and subdue all the powers of chaos and all the evil in the world. In Isaiah chapter 52, verses 7 to 12, we read of how there would be a day when Yahweh would return to Zion and overthrow Babylon and the new exodus of return would begin. There was an expectation, in other words, of victory over all the powers of evil. Now, the crucifixion as this victory that means that we eventually go to heaven and the kingdom of God at work in the here and now against evil in this world, these are not two separate things, but both flow from the cross of Jesus. The New Testament speaks of two types of evil powers. Firstly, the evil spirits, wild demonic powers shrieking at Jesus in the synagogues, threatening to reveal who he is ahead of time. But also secondly, it speaks of political powers of evil, such as the Herodians, the Pharisees, or the Romans. When the guards arrest Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus says to them in Luke 22 verse 53, this is your hour when darkness reigns. But it's the same dark power that stands behind both the spiritual and political forces of evil. And it's the cross that is a victory over both. And it was a victory in a way that the powers of darkness did not expect, nor did they understand. When Jesus was questioned by Pontius Pilate just before the cross, he says in John 18 verse 36, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight. But instead, Christus Victor, 
would win through the apparent weakness of the cross. Last Sunday was Palm Sunday, the start of Holy Week. And on Palm Sunday, we we remembered Jesus's triumphal entry into Jerusalem at the start of that week that would lead up to the cross. And when we read of his triumphal entry, there's this rather strange conversation that Jesus has with some of the Greeks who were present in the city. And in this conversation, he hints to them what was to come. We read this in John chapter 12, verse 31. Jesus says, now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. But I, when I am lifted up, meaning the cross, I will draw all people to myself. The cross draws out from all of their hiding places, all the various powers of evil. And these powers together conspire to crucify Jesus. But in so doing, they don't realize that they're actually signing their own death warrant. In John 11, verse 50, the high priest, part of the conspirators against Jesus, he says, it is better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. John goes on to explain that Caiaphas, the high priest, didn't realize that by the Holy Spirit, he was prophesying of Christ's victory to come on the cross. St. Paul puts it brilliantly this way in Colossians 2.15, saying of Jesus, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So what does this victory over all aspects of evil mean for you and for me? Well, yes, we can rejoice today that Jesus's death on the cross means you're no longer a slave to sin. You're forgiven, redeemed, and eternal life is now yours. But it also means that we, that that you and I, we, we can get a vision for and you can get excited about our role in seeing the kingdom of God advance in the here and now through our everyday uh, acts of kindness and compassion, through our stand against that which is wrong or unjust, or even when we just give a downcast stranger a pleasant smile. We can all play our part in pushing against the darkness because we know that the evil powers that lie behind it are in fact already defeated by the cross. Yes, there is still darkness in the world today. But as St. Francis of Assisi said, there is now no darkness so dark that the light of a candle cannot pierce it. The ultimate result of the cross is not some future disembodied heaven where we'll sit around on clouds playing the harp. No, the ultimate result of the cross is a new creation, a new heaven and a new earth. And this new creation was ushered in by the resurrection of Jesus, which we'll be celebrating on Sunday, this Sunday, Easter Sunday. This new creation has already begun and the Holy Spirit is given to us 
to live as new creations so that we have the power in us, God's power, to confront those powers of evil in the world, to be a people of healing, a people of reconciliation and celebration. In John 19 verse 34, it describes how uh, when Jesus died on the cross, a Roman soldier then pierced his side with a spear and out of his side flowed both blood and water. This shows that there was in Jesus' body already a separation of uh, blood and serum. In other words, he was medically dead on the cross. But the early church also saw this as a symbol, a sign, that it was, it was the fulfillment of what the prophet had said in Ezekiel 47, the vision that God had given him, where he sees a vision of water flowing out of the temple. And this water then became a mighty river and everywhere the water went, it brought life. Jesus is the new temple and from him flows the water of the spirit of God to bring life. Jesus said, if you remember back in John chapter seven at the Feast of Tabernacles, he said, anyone who comes to me, anyone who believes in me, streams of living water will flow from within them. And John specifically states, and by this, he meant the spirit. So keep on going, never grow weary of doing good and know that together we can make a difference in pushing against the darkness, in pushing against a defeated foe. In Numbers chapter 14 in the Old Testament, the Jewish spies returned from their advanced trip to check out the promised land and they brought back some grapes from there and they were literally tasting their future, though many didn't want to believe it. Likewise, every time you do that which is right, that which is loving, that which is compassionate for your friends, your family, your colleagues, your neighbours, even that which is kind to strangers. When you do that, these little victories in the now are a foretaste of the ultimate victory that is assured over darkness because of the cross. As we implement the victory of the cross in our daily lives, we anticipate the second victory of the resurrection to come. And that is why Today is indeed a very good Friday. Why don't we pray? I'd love to pray this prayer, which you can echo in your heart if you'd like to become a follower of Jesus, to trust him and your future, your eternal future into his hands. Just echo this prayer silently in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you that you died on the cross for me. That I can be set free from patterns of sin and that you forgive me of all the things from the past. I turn from those ways now and I choose to receive your forgiveness right now. And Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, would you come and live within my heart 
right now. And thank you, Father Almighty, that I can be with you for all eternity. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you.